John Moskowitz, he's from the Jews for Jesus, and Tovia Singer from Outreach Judaism, who's calling us from Israel. That's correct. Mm. And we're going to take up the whole issue of whether Jesus is indeed the Messiah, and, and you're going to get a chance to talk to these great biblical scholars. Should be a, a lot of fun. We'll be right back. Dave Glover Show, don't go away. Welcome back, guys. 97.1 FM Talk. Dave Glover Show, thanks for being with us. So this next hour promises to be incredibly interesting. Uh, what is it? 90, something like 90 percent plus, 95, 96 percent of people polled in the U.S. believe in God with a capital G. Right. Whoever, whatever that God happens to be. And uh, here on the Dave Glover Show for the past seven years, we've had uh, the priest and the rabbi segment once a month where we have uh, Father Jeff from the Catholic Church and we have uh, Rabbi Shmuel Greenwald from Asia, uh, Torah. Correct. Uh, um, who just come in and they talk about all sorts of things. Well, during uh, one of the segments, probably a, few, a couple months ago, uh, the rabbi said something that I just never had in my mind before. Now, growing up, and I know that, the, that my two guests can hear me, so I'm kind of doing a setup so they'll know how we got here. Growing up as a Protestant Christian, you know, vacation Bible school kind of you know upbringing, I had always been taught that the Jews rejected Jesus because while they were looking for a Messiah, they were looking for uh, a deliverer, sort of, uh, the, you know, with, with uh, the, the full armor to just go in and kick the butts of the Romans. And when Jesus came and he was very uh, meek and, and he talked about loving your enemy and turning your cheek that they said, no, 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 no. This is not the Messiah we're looking for. And, you know, they missed the boat. That's all there is to it. The, the poor Jews, they missed the boat. They should have jumped on the Jesus train. They didn't. And rabbi, who I have a great respect for, explained, well, it's not, it's not quite like that. According to the Torah, according to us, the Jews, okay, the Messiah was never supposed to be the Son of God. It was never supposed to be a supernatural being. Never supposed to be a deity incarnate. It was supposed to be a man, a natural human man that came as the Mashiach. Uh, and Jesus saying, I'm the son of God, that's why the Pharisees reacted the way they did so strongly because that was heresy to say that you are God incarnate. That's not possible. That's not anything close to the Messiah. I'd never had that thought in my head before. And I said, we have to do an hour on this. We need experts. Find them for me. So, so Becca did that. And I'm going to bring them on one by one here. Let me bring on uh, Jan Moskowitz. Before I bring uh, Jan on, uh, he was a Jew for Jesus before there were Jews for Jesus. I mean, literally before uh, the incorporation in 73. Uh, oh, wow. Jan was, was volunteering for basically the organization way back then. And no one better to talk about this than Jan. Jan Moskowitz, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Dave, thanks for having me. Before we say anything, let me uh, offer you my condolences. I hope and pray that St. Louis buys back Budweiser. I'm sure it'll happen, but hang in there, guys. <laughs> One of those things, you, it does you hurt, wake sir. up and see the front page it and say, bad. like Tom said, I never thought I'd see this happen. Ever. Yeah, well, you it know hurts. what? Don't give up, guys. <laughs> if Sam Adams is now officially the largest <laughs> oh, American brewer. That. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh. uh, I don't think, I know how appropriate it is for me to be talking about beer, but I know how much you guys love it. So. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's our, you know, it's St. Louis. Yeah. Yes, it Rabbi, Thank you for having me, Dave. You bet. Rabbi uh, Tolvia Singer is a fellow talk show host. He has, he has a, yeah. a radio talk show in 
in Israel, and he is the founder and director of Outreach Judaism, which is an international organization dedicated to countering the effects of fundamentalist Christian groups and cults who specifically target Jews for conversion. And I've ran into a couple because I think most Christians sort of would be along the lines where I was growing up, where you say, oh boy, how did they miss that one? You know, so obviously it's nose on their face. But uh, there are groups who say, we need to go get God's people. We need to go and we need to convert them. Well, and, and, and Tovia, well, let me bring Tovia on here. Uh, Rabbi, thanks so much for taking some time today. We appreciate it. Hey, it's great. Great joining you here from the Holy Land. From Israel. Hey, Rabbi. Technology hey, is Jen. amazing. Uh, okay, let's start out, Jen. Uh, you were raised uh, a Jew, correct, in the Bronx? Yes, correct. And at some point you became disenchanted with, with your form of religion, and you, you became a, a spiritual seeker, and you found your answer in Jesus. Well, I wouldn't put it quite like that. I, I, I was, wasn't disenchanted with being Jewish. I think I had moved from a simple childlike faith in, um, in, in my orthodox or conservadox, conservative orthodox upbringing. Like most adolescents, I started searching. It wasn't really until I was in Israel in 67 that I made an earnest search for a personal God. And that personal search took me through many places. I mean, part of it was um, the Kabbalah, Eastern Jewish mysticism, and, and Eastern mysticism. And I eventually found the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and, and, uh, and you know, in, in, in recognized that that's who and what I was waiting for. Jan, what, in did, love with them. Jan love what did you been taught about Jesus by your family and, and your temple? Well, my father and mother were survivors of the Holocaust, and so I was raised in a, you know, in a, 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 a very strict Jewish home, not just religiously, but culturally, you know, we had us and them. My father said something really sad to me once when we talked about Jesus. He said, if Jesus knew the trouble he was going to make for the people of Israel, he would have never been born. So, I mean, Jesus was always looked upon, kind of, it wasn't Jesus, but it was his followers and, and, and the church and, and the anti-Semitism of, of, of Christians that it always obscured who the person of Jesus was. I don't think most Jewish people have ever dealt with who Jesus really is. I think they deal with the caricature of him. They deal with, um, you know, they deal with all of the rumors and, and things that people say. Or, I mean, think about it. My folks, their image of Christianity was people who wore crosses turned the gas on, on my people, on my grandmother and my grandfather. I mean, so... For them to deal with Jesus on an honest level of a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish prophet living in Israel, most Jewish people think, you know, Jesus is Italian and that the Gospels <laughs> happened in Rome. I mean, the idea of a Jewish Messiah and a Jewish, a Jewish Jesus is not something that was current in, in Jewish thinking. He was alien. And so that's what I was taught. I want to say something from sure. the outset. Yeah. I think your rabbi friend, in your introduction, you know, really was, was telling the truth. I think... I think the Judaism of the last thousand years or so is a Judaism that, that rejects the idea that, that God would become a man. I think the idea that, uh, you know, the incarnation, the idea that Jesus is God is, is repugnant to, to Orthodox Judaism and has been so since, since a place called Yavna, you know, when, when the Jewish people after the destruction of the temple codified what we call normative Judaism today. The question isn't whether Judaism today repudiates whether God could become a man. The question is, was there a belief in that during the time of Jesus that was Jewish? Okay, and that's Rab really the issue we should probably be talking okay, about. Okay, Rabbi? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think from the outset it's important for your listeners to understand that I'm an Orthodox rabbi, and you mentioned that briefly. And, you know, we, we don't believe in movements or uh, culture. The Bible is our foundation, and that's very important. The Scripture, Tanakh, that's our authority. We don't have any other authority. So, you know, I, I would say that it's very clear that your pastor growing up, uh, you know, he had his beliefs, and the rabbi at uh, Jan's synagogue when he was a little boy had his beliefs. But we ask the question that goes something like this. What does the Bible say? What does Scripture say? And that's the foundation of the Jewish faith. So, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, Jews for Jesus, which is a essentially a Baptist mission that's well, dedicated yeah, to converting the Jews to Christianity, is founded on, let's say, the doctrine but, of the Trinity, the idea that there are three gods in one, uh, that Messiah is somehow a human being. But what does the Bible say? See, Scripture says in, uh, in the book of Numbers, it's in, the, it's in the Torah, that God is not a man. Now, what do I do as a Jew? I've got a Bible on one side that says that God isn't a man, and I've got Jews for Jesus screaming that uh, he that God is a man and we should worship him. We have Isaiah chapter 11, which everyone agrees is talking about the Messiah, and it describes in verse 2 and 3 that the Messiah will fear God. I, I want to say that again because I want to make sure everybody on Interstate 70 can hear that. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, that the Messiah will literally fear God. Now, why would God fear God? So, what really, it's very important, you know, we can have a discussion of what I believe, or what Jan believes, or what Moish Rosen believes, or what, what, what your tech believes. But the question is, what, does, what is God's opinion? Oh, well, and that's what we ask in Judaism. When the Bible describes... Now, the idea of a son of God is very important. It's very ambiguous because Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 states explicitly that the Jewish people are God's son, his firstborn son. So are we all the Jews' gods? No, that doesn't, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that we are followers of God. You know, you talked a moment ago that 95, 96% of Americans believe in God. Let's talk about that 4%. You know, the atheists? Many of them are Jewish, by the way, unfortunately. Now, yes, the atheists, are you spiritual? They'll say, yeah, I'm a very spiritual person, but what does spiritual mean? It's an ambiguous term. So what we got to do is we use the Bible. That's our authority. That's our foundation. We look at Scripture, and it tells us, what is the Messiah supposed to do? We open up Ezekiel chapter 37. That's, that's Tanakh. That's, the, that's God speaking there. And the Bible tells us what the Messiah is supposed to do. So we don't have to guess by going to chosen people ministries or some assemblies of God group. We go to the Bible. That's our authority. Okay, Jim. May I respond? Yes, you may. Go right ahead. Well, first of all, I commend you, Tovio. I think it's a great thing that you're saying we go to the Scriptures. But let's, let's be fair and honest, okay? You know... The Jehovah's Witnesses use the scriptures. The Mormons use the scriptures. Even the Muslims use the scriptures. Orthodox use the scriptures. Fundamentalists use the scriptures. We all appeal, and we all say, well, you have your opinion, but we believe what the Bible says, which has a certain ring of arrogance. The point that I'm making is we're all going to appeal to the scripture. We're all going to say that the scriptures is the basis by which we understand it. The question is how we interpret the scriptures. The very text you gave which, by the way, I, I would also offer, also have a different way of understanding them. And, and let, me, let, me, let me follow through with one of them. I think the New Testament clearly t talks about a basic mystery. We have a mystery where here's a person we think Scripture says has the attributes of God, and yet he, he's thirsty. 
yet he says he has limited understanding, or even worse. I mean, here's the idea of how can God be separated from God? Why have you forsaken me? You know, the real answers to these things, and if people want to pursue them, they can. But it's unfair to just throw these texts out and say, well, this is the biblical understanding, and this is how it's done, and we have the answer. I'm, I'm ready to wrestle with, with all of these with you and any other listener who's there. But I think the, but, but a little bit of humility. I'm, I'm struggling. I think the point of the Son of God, and that's where we started. Let's go back to that. Um, you're right. Exodus does talk about the children of Israel being called the sons of God. And, and, and in, in, in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 2, we have what we call in fancy theological terms an enthronement psalm. It means that this psalm was probably written by either David for David or David for Solomon about when his son would become king. And it's reminiscent of some of the psalms that were, or poems that were written when a, you know, a, a Near Eastern king was, was being crowned. And it talks about, this day I have begotten thee, this day thou art my son. And then it says, ask of me for the nations, and I'll give you the nations. And then it says, nations, you better pay homage to this person. You better bow down, because there's only refuge in him. Now look, that psalm may have been written for King David or for Solomon. But by the time it gets in the scriptures, it means something different. The people who sewed the scriptures together, the people who were the canoniclers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put that in the beginning of the book. And they said something about, if you want to understand the book of Psalms, you've got to understand Psalm 1 and 2. That's kind of the introduction to everything. You're listening to, to Jan Moskowitz there with the group Jews for Jesus. Rabbi Tovia Singer is calling in from Israel. We're going to take a break, going to come back. We'll continue this for the next 40 minutes. Is Jesus the Son of God? If not, why not? Who is? What are they looking for in a Messiah? We'll take your phone calls. 314-969-9797. Toll free from anywhere. 866-455-9797. Dave Glover Show. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Dave Glover's show, just about 5.30 here. We're talking about, to Christians and Jews alike, the, really the most important question. Is Jesus the Son of God? Uh, we talk about this kind of thing on the priest and rabbi once a month, and when this came up and when Rabbi Shmuel uh, introduced me to the thought that according to Jewish thought, according to their, their interpretation of the Torah, that the Messiah would not was not and will not be a deity or a supernatural being or certainly the son of God. And that's what right there, like when someone shows up and says, I'm the Messiah, and you say, really? Okay, are you the son of God? Yes, I am. Move to the left. No, you're not. I'd never had that thought in my head. I said, we need to have a whole show on this. Jan Moskowitz is joining us. He is with the organization Jews for Jesus. Uh, Rabbi Tovia Singer is joining us from Israel. He is the founder and director of Outreach Judaism. As you would expect, the phones have gone crazy on both sides of this issue. Uh, I believe, uh, Rabbi, it's your turn. If you have something to respond to, Jan, you want to lead us into a new thought, go right ahead. Well, I, I don't, I'm not even sure what his point was, and I don't mean that in a derisive way. I, I say that with all due respect. I, I am clueless on what the point is. In Psalm 2, it says that uh, you are my son, on this day I begot you. Let's think about that, Psalm 2-7, which Jan quoted. Now, if the Messiah, if that's talking about the Messiah at all, which is not there in the text at all, and that's why the work of a rabbi is so important, is to elucidate the text. Finish your point, it says, you. on this day I have begotten you. Now, if this is talking about the Messiah, 
how could on this day God beget you? But what what was the day before? Well, see, so the, God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has I no think, end. I, I'm a little, and the fact it was so important for the church to crystallize to make this text appear as though it's speaking about Jesus. Hold on, again. We're all we're both talking in one chapter. Jan and Tovia, let me stop you there because you're both talking. I'm not sure if it's because uh, uh, Rabbi is in Israel, but you're both talking at the same time. It appears you can't hear each other, so we'll have to be very, very careful with that because once both of you start talking, then you add me into it, no one can hear anything. So let's let Rabbi finish his whole point because we still have another half an hour of airtime, and then we'll go back to Jan. You know, by the way, this phone call is really a paradigm of what the situation is. The situation is that Jewish people, rabbis like myself, are going to speak about the Bible. And Christians, not normal Christians, that's important for you. Listen, the guys who are right now at the Arch in St. Louis, they're not into this stuff for Jews for Jesus. They go to their Presbyterian church, they're not trying to convert Jews. But I'm saying these very fundamental, these fundamentalist Christians, they read texts, they read verses in the Bible that just aren't there. They've been altered. They've been mangled, unfortunately, by a fundamentalist church. And then they expect Jewish people not to speak. So, like, I'm sitting here and talking to you and teaching the Bible, and Jan wants to jump in. He wants to say, hey, Rabbi, stop. I, I, I want to explain to you the Christians, what, what, what the Christians believe. But the Bible says, on this day I begot you. The Bible says that God is not a man. The Bible says that the Messiah is to fear God. Now, God doesn't fear anything. So the, the text is so clear and what I encourage, and I'll just say this, and then I'm going to be quiet, and you can turn it over to uh, to Jan or the the listeners. I'm going to give a plug because our our website address is outreachjudaism.org, and anyone who wants to study these texts, that's where you begin. Is what does the Bible say? What is God's opinion? Jan, back to you. Okay. First of all, give me two minutes because I need two minutes to explain this. All right. You got it. First of all, if you're listening to Sting. And Sting sings a song, and the song is, Every step you take, every breath you make, I'll be watching you. The original song that Sting sung is about a stalker. If I'm analyzing Sting's song, it's about a stalker. Years later, Puff Daddy takes part of that song and puts it in a tribute to, I think, you know, Biggie Small. And then that little, that little, you know, little ditty, becomes about a benevolent ghost. The fact is, he took something that existed, put it into something else, and transformed its meaning into something else. I said this earlier, and Tovia heard me, that first time that psalm was written, it was about a king. Traditionally, in the Near East, when a king becomes, you know, becomes a king, you know, when he gets enthroned, everybody says, yay, you're like God's son, We'll protect you. God will take care of you. It's, it's the traditional stuff that happened in Egypt, happened in Mesopotamia, and certainly David was probably influenced. But the fact that that psalm now is put in the beginning of the book of Psalms, long after David is dead, in fact, long after there's a king during the post-exilic time, that we have to ask ourselves, what were the people who were writing the book of Psalms thinking when they put that there? Is it just about a king? No, no, no. The more you read the Bible, the more you read what the Bible has to say, the more you read about the different places that this king comes and he has universal control and universal peace. This is a remarkable individual. This is a messianic hope that existed during the time of the Second Temple period or right before it. 
What do you think? These Christians, these first Jews who believed in Jesus, were, were, were worshipping Zeus or, or Thor? They were Jews. Where did they get the idea of a Mashiach? Where did they get the idea of a unique son of God? Where did they get this idea that just came out of nowhere? It was part of the Jewish milieu of the time. Now, I admit, and I told you from the very beginning, that after 90 A.D., after the Pharisees took control of what Orthodox Judaism was going to be, there was no other interpretation other than the Orthodox one, which, which, which uh, my friend, you know, Tovia has certainly acknowledged. He's, he's an Orthodox Jew. Within that system, there is no Son of God. There is no unique Mashiach. And I'll admit that, but that doesn't mean that before that time, within Judaism, within the many Judaisms that existed during the time of Jesus, there wasn't an idea of a unique Messiah that wasn't just a teacher of righteousness, but that he was going to bring real peace, that he was going to convert the hearts of, of the sons to the fathers, that he was going to transform something, and more importantly, and this was cryptic, that he might be a sin-bearer. Granted, it's not all over the place, but there are places where it seems to indicate that before he could become a king and rule the world, he had to deal with the problem of sin. He had to deal with the problem of men being separated from God. Rabbi, is that true, what Jan just said, that according to your beliefs, that there would not be a, a Messiah, an individual human being Messiah at all? No, not at well, all. Well, not that, but the Bible like, tells like us a dynamic, supernatural person. I, I, it's hard for me to hear if Jan's talking, but... Jenna, I need you to listen up on this, because this is so important for you especially. The Bible tells us what the Messiah is supposed to accomplish. It's not Rabbi Singer. And if, if you'll notice, Dave, throughout our conversation, I never quoted any text from the first century. Every verse I quoted is straight from the Bible, right? That's what Orthodox Judaism is. It's based on the Bible. So let me continue quoting Scripture. I don't want to quote the Nicene Creed from the 4th century. I want, to, I want to quote God. In Ezekiel chapter 37 and Isaiah chapter 2, the Bible tells us the Messiah is going to bring about world peace. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible tells us very specifically the Messianic age is going to bring about the resurrection of the dead. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 11 that in the days of the Messiah, the whole world will know about God. It will cover the world as the water covers the sea. Scripture tells us, and, and check this out, Dave. Bible tells us in Zechariah chapter 8.23 that in the Messianic age, you know what's going to happen? Ten Gentiles of different languages, they're going to grab the shirt of a Jew. And this is what the Bible says. And they're going to say to him, a Jew, it doesn't say a Baptist, it doesn't say someone from Jews for Jesus. It says he's going to grab the shirt of a Jew and say, take us with you, because now we know that God is with you. That's what the Bible says. So there won't be war. This is going to be a worldwide knowledge of God. And, you know, if you check the news, you'll see Iran is preparing to attack my country, the, the, the nation of Israel. You can see that men and women, American servicemen, are dying in the Persian Gulf, in Iraq and Afghanistan, as we're speaking right now. And terrorists are running over Jewish cars with bulldozers here in Jerusalem. My Bible says that when the Messiah comes, all that's going to come to an end. Not only that, I live directly in front of the Temple Mount. And I can look out my window and see Dome of the Rock, and I see El-Aqsa, two big Islamic institutions that are sitting there right there. And my Bible says that when the Messiah comes, read Ezekiel 37 through 48, that there will be a temple that will stand there, that will be there forever. Now, not only didn't Jesus accomplish any of these things, but the exact 
opposite occurred after the advent of Christianity. Not only wasn't there peace, but the temple was destroyed and thousands and thousands of Jews were killed. There was no resurrection of the dead. And the knowledge of God did not flourish after the advent of Christianity. But the Jews were exiled throughout the Roman Empire and the knowledge of God was diminished. So here's the key. Judaism is about the Bible, what Scripture says. It's not about a Nicene Creed. It's not about what the Baptist Church says. It's not about what Assemblies of God. It's what is God's opinion? And that's what I'm calling. When we come back, we'll let uh, we'll let Jan, well, we'll let Jan respond to that, and I have a specific question for the rabbi. Uh, you're tuned into the Dave Glover Show. Very, very interesting conversation going on. Jan Moskowitz from Jews for Jesus. Rabbi Tovia Singer joining us from Israel. Is Jesus the Son of God? If not, then what uh, are the Jews looking for in the Messiah? We'll be right back. Welcome back. Jan Moskowitz from Jews for Jesus. Rabbi Tovia Singer joining us from Israel talking about the Messiah, the, whether that in your belief system be Jesus of Nazareth uh, or, or it uh, be someone who's yet to, to come onto the scene. Uh, Rabbi, question for you. As you're describing the things that will come to pass in the, the appearance of the Messiah, those sound, and I, I understand it's God. God does the impossible. But to someone sitting here in St. Louis reading the, the newspapers and seeing what's going on it seems so impossible um, and I know you're a rabbi not a fortune teller but how can we get from uh, Ahmadinejad ready to, to bomb Israel and, and the price of oil and all this craziness to a time of peace it's hard to see getting from A to B I want to share with you a basic Jewish concept Dave if you bow before the God of Israel you fear no one that's, that's the foundation of Judaism. Look at me. I'm a Jew. I live in the land of Israel. How many Jews do we have here in Israel? What, about uh, six, six million, right? We're surrounded. I mean, we're surrounded by 200 million Arabs, 22 Arab countries surrounding us, and there's 57 Islamic countries. All they dream about is destroying the people of Israel and the land of Israel. But we have a Bible. It's Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. God says, look, I know you've got great armies around you, and it seems impossible for a little Jewish state the size of New Jersey, 26,000 square kilometers. You've got lakes bigger than the state of Israel. God said, don't be afraid of them if they've got many horses, if they've got huge chariots. You know why? You know why we're not afraid of Jews for Jesus or Hamas or Islamic Jihad? Because the Bible tells us that the God of Israel is with you. And in fact, the Almighty tells us in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, that those Gentiles that bless Israel, I will bless you. So I ask you an honest question. When the Jewish people, we went to war against the Arab world in June of 1967, surrounded by 15 Arab countries, and in six days we destroyed the enemy completely. Could anybody at West Point really figure that one out? I mean, do you understand how it's possible for a country that basically is about 50 miles wide, what, about 200 miles long. How is it possible standing up to Syria, Saudi? I mean, would you want to live? I, I know you're concerned about illegal immigration from Mexico, but could you imagine if you were in St. Louis and you know what surrounded you? It's that you were surrounded by Syria, by Lebanon, by Egypt, by Iran. That's who we're surrounded. We, we stand, the Jewish state, in fact, stands between the Islamic world and, in the, and the United States of America. You're surrounded by two friendly oceans. So you're right. The Jewish people, Dave, we're a people of a miracle. 
but we are also people of faith, and we believe without any question that the God of Israel is with us, and we have a Bible, Ezekiel 38 tells us that Iran is going to rise up, Persia is going to rise up against the children of Israel, and Zechariah 12 says God is going to be with you, he's going to protect you, so now I can't, Dave, guarantee you that St. Louis is safe. But, but I assure you, Jerusalem is Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. the God's hand. Question. Ahead, the question is this: we're, we're, I praise God for His faithfulness to the Jewish people and the preservation of the Jewish people. But the question is, when the Messiah comes, He's not going to be supernatural. He's not going to be a remarkable individual other than just the Messiah. How is He going to bring world peace? Is He just going to go abracadabra, wave a wand, and everybody who hates everybody else is going to be nice? I mean, you talk about all the beautiful things Mashiach is going to do, but you haven't told us how he's going to do it, if he's just a teacher of righteousness or a great rabbi. How is he going to change people's hearts? And I want to show you something. When you said to me before, after the coming of, of, of the Mashiach, Yeshua, Jesus, you know, the, the, the earth was not filled with the glory of God. Let me ask you a question. Long before Yeshua came, most of the world were bowing down to rocks. They were pagans. With the advent of Yeshua, and Maimonides even talks about this, one of the great uh, medieval rabbis, he recognizes the fact that through the coming of Yeshua, those people who were bowing down to rocks now worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They now believe in the one who created the universe and have faith in him. The key point here is this. We believe the Mashiach came to, to first deal with the problem of sin, because until you deal with a man's heart, his hand won't matter. You have to change his heart before you change his hand. And that's what Yeshua came to do. He keeps quoting Isaiah. Great book. I love it. But Isaiah 52, 13 talks about a servant. Now, we can argue who that servant is, but that servant certainly suffers. And that servant suffers to make atonement, a kippurah, for his people. Now, you know what? Most people read Isaiah 52, verse 13 and following through 53, and... They just go, gee, sounds like Jesus. Speaking of which, look, this is an argument or a conversation that's going to go on long, long after, you know, 6 o'clock. Jewsforjesus.org. Go read both sites. Definitely read Tobias' site. It's got some very interesting things. And then go read our site and see what we say. It's going to take more than a 10-minute soundbite back and forth to talk about what's real here. This is a real issue. And I love you, Tobias. I appreciate your biblical love of the Bible. But again... You know, it's a Bible that you determined what it means at 90 A.D. at Yavna. You know, I quote Old Testament passages, and I talk about a world before the Orthodox Pharisees took over. And it's just as Jewish as the Pharisees' world. And the fact of the matter was that there was an idea of a very unique Mashiach who was going to come, a very unique Mashiach who was going to suffer for the sins of humanity, and then establish world peace. Tovia, we have about two minutes left. They're yours. Go ahead. Tell us what you need to tell us, and tell us about uh, Outreach Judaism. You know, first of, all, the, first of all, everything is free on our site. You can download my lectures that go throughout the Bible, because I don't quote from 90, and I don't quote from the year 200, and I don't quote from the year 325 CE, which was the Council of Nicaea, where the doctrine of the Trinity was declared as the orthodoxy of Christianity, which Jews for Jesus completely embraces. Amen. We look at the Bible, and let me say, I, I don't mean this, I hope no Christian would be offended by this, but Jan talked about 
how wonderful Christianity has been for the Jewish people. So I'd like to, and I'm going to say something that's really sarcastic, but I'll say it anyway. You know, uh, we'd like to thank the Church for the uh, Crusades and the Inquisition and so on and the Doctrine of the Trinity. So our thanks go out there. It's a question of what the Bible says. What does Scripture say? And what we encourage, what Orthodox rabbis encourage the Jewish people and, and Gentiles, go to the Bible, go back to the original text. What does Scripture really say? What is God's opinion? And I, I want to also thank all the folks out there in the United States who support the land of Israel, who put their hope in the Jewish state, even though logically we don't have a chance. But the state uh, has a blessing from above. And, I, Dave, I want to thank you for... Uh, giving me a chance to, to join you here on air. Thank you, Tovia. Thank you, Jan, it very my much. my privilege, Dave Stay safe. Till the next time. When you come to Israel, Jan, come visit me. We have to buy a little study. We'll be back. <laughs> so, how did you like the debate between uh, the guy from Jews for Jesus and the professor from uh, from Israel? How'd you like that one? I thought it was excellent. I thought that... Um, yeah, the trouncy. Well, one thing I thought was really good about it, and I spoke to Rabbi Singer afterwards, um, that that you kind of stayed out of it, that you kind of just let them both, you know, give. He he really loved that because it's very rare. He told me when he gets that opportunity yeah. to just have a, have a real discussion without it being, you know, one sided. Or I have very few rules, but one I always have followed uh, in broadcasting: never get between two Jews when Jesus is on the line. <laughs> Just let them go. Just let them go. go. It always causes some excitement, usually. But you know what, though? Honestly, this this could sound like something sort of insulting, but we're buddies, so it won't. Uh, both of them, both gentlemen, had Tom and I were were cringing. We were absolutely cringing, and I've noticed this with Jewish friends, like when I was at law school, watching you the whole thing. Have this ability. Maybe you grow up with it. Maybe it's temple. Maybe it's the way you you debate and you argue. But have this ability to just knife to the into the heart you know and then just kind in a kind way yeah. <laughs> with all due respect you are going to burn in hell for a thousand lifetimes right. my friend right. i mean they were clocking each other right. you know well, i remember you know one time we were having a discussion here and there was somebody called in and said you know how maybe we could just try to make everything kind of feel the same and I remember that you said this, Tim, and I feel the same way, is that I'd much rather have real good, honest debate about something and try to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with debating, you know, and, and that's so I, I think that it was great. You know, they both really, if you feel strongly about something, you, you, you feel, you know, you, you have to argue about the, it. The one, the tactic that Rabbi Singer took that he said over and over again that the guy never called him out on. Never. And I wasn't about to because I didn't want him turning on me. No. Was when he'd say, listen, you, you can have your whole, you know, Church of Nicaea. You can have your fourth century mole crap. But if you want to know what God thinks, let's go back to the Torah show. I right. mean, it's just like right. smash. Well, see, one of the reasons why he was doing that is because the other person, Jan, who I don't know, um, kept saying something about, well, the Pharisees changed things. And so Rabbi Singer's original approach was he quoted a verse in the Torah. So he kept coming back to, you can't, you know, talk about the Pharisees. I'm quoting you something which actually comes from the Torah. And so, but anyway, it was a, I thought it was an exciting discussion. And, and the reason that I, I got you, uh, Rabbi Singer, there, because he's just the best at that. He's yeah. just, that's what he does, and he, you know, he knows how to do it well. Yeah, there's something in the law... I think it's called the best evidence rule, and it's basically that. It, it's nothing genius, but it's if there's if you and Tom make a contract, and here it is, 
Uh, and it exists. I don't care what you say. I don't care what Tom says. Let's right. let's see what the document the says. Contract, right? And that's sort of what you're getting at is that, you know what, rather than what anyone said or right. whatever treaties they wrote, right. let's just read it. Right. Let's just read well, it I mean, and see what it says. Right. I mean, he's saying that this idea that I was saying about how we look at the Messiah was changed at some time. But Rabbi Singer saying, if you go back to, everybody sources themselves back to the original Bible. Yeah. And so if, if, you know, you have a verse there, you have to deal with that verse. If you can change, show a different way of understanding that verse, fine. But first you have to at least explain the verse.